All right, welcome to Out From The Cube. I'm actually, Jay, I'm not going to say what episode we're on because the podcast is growing. And now there's, no, there's not going to really be a rhyme or reason to how these things get distributed. They're not going to be sequ- sequential. Is that the right phrase? And so this could be episode 65. It could be episode 75. So I, yeah. we're going we're gonna to quit saying what episode we're on. But I appreciate everybody listening. Jay, uh, we're recording on a Wednesday, and we typically record on Thursdays. But I appreciate you, again, making time for us. And uh, the podcast has really grown, and I guess I could say it's grown because you've been on it. It really started taking off once you came on once a week. And the feedback, again, that we're receiving about uh, the podcast in general, but definitely with you, has really been valuable, really valuable. So, And one of the things we've uh, talked about is or the feedback I've received. I went out with two people last week that wanted to meet and talk about the podcast. Uh, they both said that I've got to work on the audio. Uh, for this, me personally, with what I'm doing, but uh, but you actually went out and got some equipment, right? So you're building your own studio uh, because you not only do this, you do other interviews, you do other podcasts with other people, you may be starting your own podcast. So you're building your own studio, I think, uh, at your home, right? Yeah. So I just, I went out and, and just got a, a little microphone that's a USB yeah. plug, and um, yeah, I I really did it because I am going to start to record some daily information for my subscribers that subscribe at the website. So uh, that's going to be one of the first perks that we do for people that subscribe over at the website is mm-hmm. I'm going to drop some daily one ups. My you know really basically my daily one up that I journal journal about. I'm going to create little you yeah. know two minute videos that kind of dive deeper into that and they're going to go out to the subscribers on the website so yeah i said i bought a tripod i bought a microphone so i'm eager to hear how this sounds because right now i just sound like normal <laughs> no it's uh, definitely it is an improvement <laughs> on my end um i am going to throw this disclaimer out there as well um my computer does not do well in the afternoon. There's something going on with my computer and it gets real bumpy. So if you are watching this on YouTube, it may not be the best uh, recording, um, and, but I'm hoping that it is recording clean. Uh, but right now it jumps around a lot, but the audio should be perfect if you're just listening on a, a podcast platform. There is something uh, that, is, uh, that came back up in my mind this week. Uh, I'm not sure why it came up. Uh, I think maybe I was uh, cycling through some podcasts or looking at some of the analytics on the podcast. And there, were, there was a title to a podcast last June, I believe. June, last June on, on a podcast that I did. I, I'm quite certain uh, Jason has not listened to it. And I'm quite certain I haven't asked his opinion on this, but I know he has one. And this is going to, and I'm, I'm super excited about this question, about the route this is going to go, uh, because Jay kind of throws me off always a little bit. I'm like, in my mind thinking, hey, I'm going to ask this, and this is what he is going to say. This is the direction <laughs> he's going to go. I know exactly what he's going to say, and it will be the complete opposite of what I think he's going to say. So, last, uh, I'm going to tell the story for those that don't know, and I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to give my opinion. And because I don't want to influence Jay with this. Um, last, uh, I, I ran a podcast where I talked about what I felt leadership kind of looks like and teachable moments and when you can kind of pull a team together and different events that can happen. And I framed it around, I want to say it was game six of the NBA finals last year. Now I'm going to, I'm going to set the table. You, you, it couldn't have been game six because it didn't make it. Okay. To- no, that, then it wasn't game six. <laughs> It was game – no, it was game one. It was yeah. game one. Game one of the NBA Finals. Thank you. It didn't make it six. It, it, it didn't – did it make it five? It's been a while. I don't no, think it, it made it sweep. five. It was a it sweep. It was a sweep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, game one of the NBA Finals was the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. In game one – now, uh, Cleveland is the underdog. They were actually probably expected to be swept. Mm-hmm. Um, so they played. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with the background of the story. But what happened was – um, they, uh, Cleveland, uh, could have won game one. They had a free throw. They missed the free throw. Uh, and J.R. Smith got the rebound and he dribbled out. All he had essentially had to do was make a layup and they would have won. He got the, he got the ball, did not shoot the layup, dribbled out. Uh, LeBron James, who is the team leader, uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the top three players ever to play the game. and. Uh, they dribbled it out and they ended up going to overtime and they lost. 
what caught my attention and what I'm asking you is the reaction of LeBron James. Mm. And, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about what I felt uh, cause I want to hear your opinion on that, but he took a lot of heat for his reaction. And my immediate thought was how the team's going to respond. You know, what that player, how he is going to respond and just how that the culmination of that 30 seconds or that two minutes, because there was actually a two minute break where before the overtime started, that was recorded and I've watched and I actually gave a talk at a conference centered around this and actually showed that clip where there was no interaction, there was no talking, there was nothing. Even the coach came in and his body language caught, you know, uh, drew, drew me in and I have some commentary on. I, you know all of that, right? You know, the, sure. you know the, how I set the table. You know sure. all of that. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm really interested in your take on that because, one, you're from Cleveland. You are a <laughs> basketball guy. You are very wrapped up in teams, team dynamics, body language, attitude, uh, the words you use, how you uplift one another, and that is your team, and I'm thinking he is your guy. Like, I think you probably really like him and what he's done for that community and that team and your hometown. All that being said, hmm. I'm just going to let you take the floor and, and I'll interject as needed. But I'm interested in, in how you responded to what happened in game one of the NBA Finals. Man, so, so many things to unpack right there. It's, you know, when you put the, the personal spin on it, me being a Cleveland guy, me, um, you know, that being my team, there's so many there's a plethora I, I remember when i first heard the word plethora and i was just enamored by that word but there's a there's a plethora of emotions there's you know excitement to be there there's disappointment and and being at that level and not knowing something to me that was so ingrained in, into me the basketball player which is always know the, the the clock in the situation you know I, I can hear my coach's head now game clock situation you know no no what the clock says and and situation is um, you know, know the possession arrow, know how many timeouts we have, know like all of those different things. Um, so that's registering my in my mind. But also, too, it's at the same time as you're talking about, golly, you're talking game one of the finals. <laughs> you know, right. does all that go out the window? Having never been in that position before, does all that go out the window? Do You know, mm -hmm. um, there's so much to that. But specifically with the leadership component and that, I want to really specifically talk about that two minutes that, that from when the horn went off, Jr. gets the rebound. First off, nobody talks about George Hill missing the free throw. Make the free throw. Make Perfect. the free throw. None of that. None of that happens anyway. Right. Um, and, and somebody even asked me that. Actually, it was the people that I was watching the game with. They're like, there was four point seven seconds left. Right. And they're like, well, do you want? Would you rather be up one point against Golden State? They call a timeout with 4.7, and now you give Steph or Clay or, or, or Katie an opportunity with 4.7 seconds left in the half court to take a shot. And I'm like, like what kind of question is that? Yes, I would rather be up. <laughs> like, right. um, but, but just to show where people think. But from buzzer going off to the jump ball in overtime, that two minutes, man, like, like – when you look at the obviously people are dejected and, and I don't even really know. I mean, I know why, but like, okay, we're going to overtime, mm -hmm. but dejected in the situation, there could have been a timeout call. There could have been a shot immediately back put up, but LeBron James as the leader of that team, his body language, his body language was everything. There were no, there were no words said, but there, there, there didn't have to be words said. And it was, Gosh, the only word that can come to mind, George, is, is disappointing. Yeah. Dis okay. Disappointing, disappointing as a leader, disappointing, you know, having been in that position before. Um, now, you, let, me, let me jump in real quick because we have the same take on it. I was really disappointed in that. Yeah. Now, you, you, I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know this for certain, but I'm guessing, I think you know him. Like, he, he may not yeah. know you by name, or maybe he does. But yeah. I think you know him, you've met him, and you've hung around him. So it's probably hard for you to maybe separate the two, and you, you know, and all that. But 
I was disappointed in him. And, and I kept coming back to the leadership of a team and where you are kind of that guy that people look to for, you know, to get us over the hump or to get everybody centered, get everybody motivated and all that, where that body language is so important. When, and when he sat there and, the, the, you know, J.R. Smith clearly made a big mistake. Sure. And they are in a position that nobody thought they'd be in. And to get game one and all this with everything on the line, to not rally everybody, to not pull everybody together. But you said, and I, again, I could be wrong with some of the stuff. We've had a lot of conversations. Were you a difficult teammate when you were playing? Like, you know, and I don't know if that's the right word. You may have been a great teammate, but maybe your fuse was quick. Maybe your body language wasn't the best. Maybe your, your language wasn't the best, whatever mm. it might be. I, I, for some reason that resonates with me, like that, that you had told me some stories like that. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, de definitely accurate. Uh, I wrote a, I wrote a blog post on it called misunderstood. Uh, and it's really just talking about how passion is such a misunderstood emotion one, because very few people live with passion and because very few people live with passion, I feel like it's, it, it's, it's just one of those emotions that can be so easily misunderstood because if you don't know what it looks like either for that person or because you, you exhibit that, then it can be misunderstood as aggression. It can be misunderstood as, um, you know, just, just being not a part of the team you can be you, like it's, it's so many different things that um and so yeah i was i was that a good part of my career but also knowing that internally it just stemmed from a place of i'm one of those guys that hate to lose more than i love to win mm -hmm. and what i know of braun um not even not even personally but what i know of him as a person i feel like he's one of those people as well he is one of those people that hates to lose more than he likes to win and you know to some people that statement may not make sense but to those of you that that it does make sense to there is definitely a difference so um does did <laughs> does your did your passion make you a bad teammate um Bad is relative. Right, right, right. Bad. My, my passion definitely made me a misunderstood teammate at times because, you know, there were times where, for example, I would, you know, if, if things weren't going right, and, and I will clarify what I mean when I say going right. I don't mean we're playing well and, and we're up 20. I mean going right. And so if things weren't going um, the way that I kind of expected them to go in order for all of us to be successful and productive than I had, especially at the, at the early part of my career. And as, and as a younger player, I had absolutely no problem verbalizing that. You know, I, I will tell people in a joking way, but in a very serious way, like there have been times where as a young professional player, I'm talking between the ages of 21 and probably 26, that five-year span where I would walk into practice and I was cussing out everybody from the water boy to the president. Mm. And, and, but here's the thing. It wasn't from, you know, I'm a jerk. It was from a standpoint of like for the water boy, for example, I need you to do what you, what your job is so we can all be on the best page for us to win. So Mr. Waterboy, when I come out, I need you to have my water ready so I can drink my water and get back into the game and contribute to the team the way that the team needs me to contribute to the team, which is be on the court and, and get statistics, get points and rebounds and assists. So if I come to the bench and you don't have my water ready or you're doing something else and you're prolonging that opportunity for me to get done what I need to get done over here and get back into the game, I'm going to let you know it. Um, that, was, that was early in your career, correct? What, you know, Mr. President, if you want me to go out and score 25 points and get 12 rebounds a game, I'm going to need for you to make sure that my washer and dryer works or that my internet connection works or that my, at that time, VHS tape, you know, VCR works so I can entertain and, and, and watch the shows because I can't watch, I can only watch a certain amount of TV that's in English, you know, in your country. So if you want me to do what I need to do, then I need you to do what, what you know, what you're supposed to do to, to, so we can all be successful. You can't expect me to go score 20 and 10 
and I'm still wearing the clothes that I wore last week because my washer and dryer doesn't work. Hmm. So, yeah, boy. How so, that what, came what you, out? Yeah, well, how, yeah what the, uh, how that came out at 24 years old was not, was not okay, the right yeah. way. So I, I don't want to I, – I, I love your story. Let me just ask a quick few – were you like that at Indiana State? No. Okay. No, because part of it was culture – and part of it was just a totally different situation. I didn't have to worry about that then. I've always been a very, very passionate, I'm a passionate person. Mm -hmm. um, I, have been, I have been accused of raising, and, and I know you and I have had conversations about even the tone of your voice, but I've been accused of raising my voice, but I'm not raising my voice, I'm just raising my passion. I'm just exhibiting my passion. So I'm not coming across in an argumentative way and I'm definitely not coming across in a, in a confrontational way or, or a conflict type of way, but when my, when my juices get going, you know, and, and so one of my guys, Adam Bradley, he hosts a podcast called The Hardwood Hustle, which from a right. basketball standpoint, I would suggest that you listen to. It's unbelievable, not even just basketball, leadership. They do leadership as well, mm -hmm. but with more of an athletic spin behind it. But um, he and I have had a conversation and recorded a podcast that what was the difference between playing with emotion and letting emotion turn into being emotional? There's a difference. Right, absolutely. There's a difference. Right. There's a difference. And so, yeah, it was, it was that. And I had the same teammate back-to-back -back years. We played together in Israel one year, and then we played together uh, my first year in Italy. And he told me, you know, in, in, in those two years, he was the one that kind of came to me and was like, Jason, if you always yell, then yelling just becomes the tone. And no one knows how to adjust to it because that's what they always hear. However, if you yell with a purpose or at a specific time and that's not the normal then all of a sudden it's oh, okay you catch people's attention like this isn't how he normally talks and the fact that he's talking like this must mean you know something different and now you get people's attention and and yeah it was it was just regular casual friendly conversations that he and I had that really got me to the point of understanding that you know the importance of how I delivered information was well it could be easily misunderstood well, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, an entire episode just on that. You know, the people that are in the business world that are super, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world or the Bezos of the world that are just super passionate where, you know, you know how you can still deliver that message and still be super passionate. And we've talked about being demanding without being demeaning. Yeah, sure. You know, and what that looks like and how you do it when you're, when you're passionate. Let me, let me circle back to the LeBron James thing. Yep. How should he have handled that? Oh, man, I, you, you, unfair question. <laughs> you know, un, unfair question because it's going to boil back down to, you know, who he is and, and even that situation because I do believe that situations can bring out mm. like, unusual characteristics. I do believe that. Um, I, and I know where you're going with that. In what an you, ideal what world, you, what do you think he wishes he would have done? Sure, 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 sure. Phenomenal question. <laughs> um, you know, I, as because he's he's seen that he's seen yeah. that just like everybody else in the basketball world or in the in the world um, saw that. So um, I think what he wishes he would have done differently would have been um, starts with body language and then would have transferred into uh, a verbal rally. Uh, I have a clip, and I can I can probably find it for you. I have a clip of almost the same situation, um, in a nutshell. How the game events are different, but same result. And it's I know it's Phoenix because I'm, it's Steve Nash, and I want to say maybe they were playing Memphis, and this was older. Obviously, if Nash is playing, um, Phoenix is up three with less than two seconds to go. All they have to do is literally contest a shot, and Memphis is shooting a desperation three, contest a shot, probably miss it. There's not even enough time for a rebound. And Rudy Gay gets the ball, turns around, makes a three, and now we're going to overtime. And Steve Nash, who wasn't even on the floor at this time, they cut the camera to Steve Nash, and all you see is him clapping and telling his guys, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, we got another five minutes to go. 
we got another five minutes. Let's go. Let's go. Like, so again, different game situation, but mm-hmm. same event. Like, really, the game should be over. Mm-hmm. But but it, that is the difference in in the leadership. You got a guy, you know, obviously Steve Nash, back-to-back MVP, one of the best point guards to ever play the game, um, and one of the most recognized leaders in the game, not dependent on, on his position. And it's just a difference in that. It's, right. it's rallying your guys, let's go, we're good, you know, five minutes, and I, who knows what happened in that game. But I can tell you that the energy that he gave off probably didn't result in them losing overtime by 12 points, which is what the Cavs ended up doing. Yeah. So my, my point to this, I, I listen, everybody listening, I know it's basketball related and I have a, a, it's within my first 10 or 15 episodes where this, that happened. And I recorded a podcast and I gave a talk at a conference about it. Cause I think there's five or six leadership lessons in that 4.7 seconds and the timeout or not the timeout, but the, the time between the game ending and overtime starting, there's a lot, a, a lot there. And, and, you know, but one thing that, you know, body language is just, have you ever felt this in, in your experiences in athletics? And, and I have seen it even in business and with teams that I've seen where you know the moment you've already lost, even though the game's not oh, over. Not like, hey, like I remember coaching and there being like three minutes left yeah. and we're down five or we were up 20 and now it's like we're up five, but you know, like we've already lost, Yeah, you know? And um, what's that? you know, I know what that feels like and I know what those experiences feel like, but what does that, what does that feel like? And, and I've seen it in the business world where you're like supposed to get a, a client or something, you know, you're selling something or getting a client or the team dynamics. And you're like, man, this isn't going to be like, it might be going well right now, but this isn't going to turn out well. And you can Absolutely. just tell what, yeah. but in, in the athletic arena or just, not the athlete it, that it, you're going to tell an athletic story, I'm guessing, but in the team arena, where you, you know you've already lost. Yeah. What, what that feels like or what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's for most of us, I would say that it's a total um, contradiction. And, you know, it's, it's just like I just talked about, like LeBron is a phenomenal guy. Uh, it, really, it really bewilders me to hear people talk unfavorably about him. Mm-hmm basketball wise off the court whatever like like tough tough to talk like like you know and and who knows who knows his personal life but you know you're talking about a guy that's 16 years in the league now you've never heard heard about him you know having some you know outside relationship with a woman he's been with his high school sweetheart he opens these schools he does all these philanthropic things like like and on the court, you can't argue as well. However, that situation was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that situation, I think it was an anomaly per his personality and per his leadership style as well. Like, and, you know, there's these things that go around and talk about these superstar guys are, are difficult to play with. I know Kobe had that reputation. Michael had that reputation. Larry had that reputation, um, you know, of, of guys that were kind of tough to play with. Um, but I still think that's an anomaly. Mm-hmm. So I, that would be the first thing is I think it's a contradiction of who most of us are because most of us are team oriented and we want the best for the team. We want the most successful outcome to happen for the team. And so when we get to that point of kind of realizing that it's not going to happen, it, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a contradiction in us. Like, ah, oh, man, the reality of it is this. I still want to be supportive. I still want to be, you know, team, but there's, this isn't going to happen. And so um, I think it's just a, a, another thing about a consistent reminder. How do you consistently tap into those things that are going to bring you back as quickly as possible to who you are? Um, you know, at PGC, we have this, this phrase that says, um, in times of extreme pressure, players revert back to their most deeply held habits. Right. And we've talked about that. The phrase I, I like, and I really like that, and I'm not trying to uh, trump that phrase, is the Navy. There's a Navy SEAL phrase or a military phrase that you revert back to your training. Yeah. Right? When things get hard, which is essentially exactly what you just said. Absolutely. Right? That's What's your habits? Training. Yeah. Habits, yeah. training, that you, yeah. that's where you yeah. got your default. Yeah. 
Yeah. What, what's your habits? And, you know, you're, you are going to, you don't rise to the level of the occasion. You fall to the level of your, of your training. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so how do you, but, but again, you know, this was probably the biggest thing. And, 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 you know, I watch basketball, I watch basketball in person. I watch it at the high school level. I watch it at the college level. I watch it at the men's level. I watch it at the women's level. Um, and when I watch games, the one thing, like I, I think you and I have had this basketball discussion before. I don't think I would be an X's and O's tactical type coach. If I were ever in a head coaching situation, I would have to hire an assistant coach that was good in that area because that is not my area. Like drawing up plays and what we're going to do right here in this particular situation uh, is not a strong suit of mine basketball related. However, where I do know that I would be a benefit to the team would be from putting them in situations that are going to happen in the game like and and I look back at my basketball career and those were the things like those were the things that were most beneficial to me so you know I remember specifically saying or having situations we would have a, a portion of practice every day and it was situations so it's up seven with four minutes to go well if you're up seven with four minutes to go the other team automatically is in a down seven with four minutes to go mm -hmm. You know, so so there's that. There's you know, and and how many times can you can you as realistically as possible replicate something that potentially could happen? So now it goes back to preparation, and that has absolutely nothing to do with basketball. You know, one of the things that if you're if you're sales, I remember the year that I worked corporate in sales, it was getting on a call similar to this. And me being the sales guy and you being the client and us role playing, mm -hmm. role playing is nothing but practice. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the potential things that that person can say? What are your responses to those things? And, you know, yeah. How, how do you duplicate those situations? So now when that situation arises in the heat of the moment, mm -hmm. there's a familiarity behind it and not yeah. just this, you know, what do we do now? Right. I love this stuff, man. I love these talks. I'm going to jump. I'm just going to uh, jump back into the question. Uh, uh, the uh, question I, I asked a couple minutes ago about when teams get bad and yeah. when you know you've lost. Because yeah. you, you have me thinking a little bit and you, you formulated this not just now, but probably over the last two years I've known you, but definitely over the past 10 to 15 weeks or episodes that we have. Team, teams will lose. The, what the. the the first thing you lose as a team when you know you are about to lose is your communication. Without a doubt. On how you talk to one another. Because I'm, now I'm thinking back on these experiences that I've had in the business world and the, the, the IT, the executive world, whatever it is, the team world professionally, and also the teams I've been fortunate to be around in athletics. The first thing you lose is how you talk to one another. Yeah. And the first thing that is a tell to that is when people start talking about me and yeah. where I'm at and what yeah. I'm doing and why you suck, why yeah. you're not rebounding and why you're not running the floor and why your man is always getting good shots and scoring on you. Right. And it start, but when you're up by 20 and going on a 21 to five run and crushing people, it seems to be all about we. Yep. Right. And I think when things go bad, that was always the tell for me. I remember sitting there in many games and just going, man, we're going to lose. And I remember the body language, the timeouts, the, the, you know, the, the communication during a timeout and just sitting there and nudging my coach saying, we're going to lose, we're going to mm -hmm. lose. And mm -hmm. we've got to get this corrected. And th those were the moments that I would be kind of combustible because you just, I mean, that's, but that does, it's not a basketball thing. Jay's talking about a lot of things. I think that if you just look at it as in athletics and in basketball, we lose you in the conversation, but that is business and life with everything he's saying. Um, the, the two things he has said that have struck me in my notes from this week, it's amazing how there's always a synergy to things. Um, Ed Milet was talking this week about being successful and his phrase was your preparation is your separation. And mm. how much you prepare, that is how you separate yourself from everybody else. And his thing was the amount of time in his businesses where they role played. And, and, and you'd really hit on that. And I used to do this sales stuff as well. 
And I'll tell you what, man, role playing to me was garbage time. I just didn't like it. I didn't yeah. like that feeling of, of role playing different things. But the reality is in sales, it's being able to handle objections and being able to quickly say, hey, I'm not interested or I don't want that or I'm using this or this is better. Why would I use your product or whatever it is? And being able to quickly pivot on that objection and to get them back into the corner. But it's all role play. It's all the preparation to that. Um, and we've seen that in athletes uh, that, that we have followed and covered and things. Sure. It's, it's, it's the practice time. It is, it is being down seven with four to go. Yeah, and, and, that's and, know, what it is. and knowing how to handle that, knowing that, you know, you, you have to value every possession. If you're the team up seven, you're not coming down jacking shots in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. You, you're still being aggressive. You're still in attack mode, but you're not like, you know, just jacking up shots. If you're the team that's down seven, we have to get a stop. Like focus on this possession to get a stop and then focus on the next possession to get a score. And then come back and like it's it's breaking it down, but like it. Um, you know one of the things that I heard uh, and in reference because you know that I'm one of those guys that's like you know games, games, games. Youth athletes now are playing too many games, in my opinion. Um, but then you have like, well, games is where you get better, and I, I'm I'm just I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of that. I feel like games is when you go show me what you've been working on. How have you been developing? That's what games are at a youth level. Um, but something that I heard, it was, it was in reference to a concert pianist, like a concert pianist doesn't, doesn't wait to practice until concert time. You know, you, you got to go out there and, and go get it. A boxer doesn't wait until fight night to start sparring. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you got some boxers that some of their sparring fights are more intense than their actual fights. Right. And I actually saw that in a, in a Steph Curry quote, he said, practice should be 10 times more difficult than the game that way when you get to the game the game is easy right the there, game there is, is easy. Yeah. there's there's this thing i think i have it digitally i have the book digitally and i'm not a big proponent of the word perfection but there's a book called practice perfect right no, yeah yeah talk about that because you brought that up to me yeah, so so practice perfect is 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 actually written by educators, but it's just it's it's forty two principles, really simple, really applicable principles that talk about the importance of practice. Like talk about the different things, breaking things down to their most simple form, um, hammering down one one thing before you move on to the next thing. Um, like just, just really, really, really simple, really applicable things. But it, again, it's written by educators. It has some sports references, but it's really just about life. And, you know, just to, to wrap that part of it up, what you said about communication is that is the biggest part. And my lady and you and I joked about it, <laughs> joked about that, but, um, we've had this conversation of, she hasn't been in a situation where the guy that she's involved with has been as communicative as I am. And sometimes it, it even gets to a point where it bothers her, where she's like, you know, well, why are we talking about that? Well, we're talking about that because I know that getting that out on the table could possibly prevent something being misunderstood in the future. Hmm. Um, and, it, and it's a process. It's a process as a man because that's not our, our nature. It's not kind of how we're taught is to be overly communicative. Um, but it's the first thing. And, and this, is, this, is, this was the eye opener for me. Lack of communication is always perceived as negative. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. I don't care what arena you're in. I don't care what situation you're in. A lack of communication is always perceived as negative. You're not going to walk into your house and say, hey, honey, how are you? And her not say anything. And you say, oh, we, we must be on great terms. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be negative. It could be negative towards you. It could be negative towards the day she had. It could be negative. But, but you're not going to take that lack of communication and, and just take it and say, you know, everything's peachy. And it's the same thing. In the workplace, it's the same thing no matter what the, the, the right. um, space between the relationship is, employee, employer, employee to employee, teammate to teammate, it doesn't matter. If we're not communicating, that's always going to be taken as a negative, always. Uh, that's true. And I think it's, 
not to get real deep and not to open this can of worms, but I think we see it in society with all the issues. Without a doubt. With Without a doubt. Right? The first thing that the first thing that falls apart is us just being, you know, the, the stuff that you said last week about the divide and the difference is, is you know, is applicable here as well. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a total turn of the conversation, but let me ask you this. The Super Bowl is going to be in two weeks. And I think we have the Rams playing the Patriots. Patriots. Yep. The Patriots are going to their ninth Super Bowl. Is that right? Ninth Super Bowl yeah, under Brady. Ninth, yeah, ninth for Brady and, and Belichick. Yep. Ninth for Brady and Belichick. Yeah. There is something to – and the Rams, I believe, with that group, there are – and I read – actually saw it on ESPN last night. There are – let me just – let me make this simpler. There are 36 players on the New England Patriots that have played in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the coach and head coach – or the coach and the quarterback have played in nine Super Bowls. Yeah. L.A. Rams have – Four players yep. that have done that have been in the Super Bowl. So huge, huge difference, 36 to 4. And I wrote something down when you were talking, and you said this. We've done this before. Yeah. Of of that confidence, of that preparation, of the separation, of the no panic, no stress. You know, not that you don't have that. There is some anxiety to all that, but you're being, you know, being down seven or up seven with four minutes to go. And this this idea of We've done this before. Mm. You know, I think that idea of that preparation, you know, the Rams may not have any idea what to do this week and next week in sure. order to prepare. They've got a young coach, first Super Bowl. He's never been to a Super Bowl. You know, I have no idea what is involved in preparing a team for that event. Um, but Belichick does and Brady does they know what to get in line they know that today being Wednesday where they play in a week and a half what should be done by today sure right and that's that preparation to separate yourself but there is that confidence you know of of a group of people that either role play a sales call that go into a board meeting that go into a client or go into different environments or go to a conference or go do public speaking that says Man, I've done this before. Yeah, I've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before, right? Yeah. As opposed to the guy that hasn't role played, right? The guy yeah. that doesn't find value in the practice, that just doesn't do it, and so they're sitting there, and now now the game is on, right? To the mm. boxer that hasn't sparred, now all of a sudden he's in the ring, going, "Oh, sure. I should have done something." <laughs> yeah. right? And I think there's I think there's a good lesson in there. I mean, I wrote it. I, there's that confidence that you've done this before, which confidence sure. will probably, I'm not saying confidence always removes fear. Right. And I don't know your experience with that because you're, you are a, a, a well-trained athlete that played for years and went through a number of things, but did you still kind of have that fear, you know, even in your last year, or do you sit back and say, man, I've done this before. Mm, yeah. So, um, I want to hit that back. So let let keep if I get if yeah. I don't excuse me if I don't come back to it. Make sure we talk about that last very last part about yeah. you know specifically my career. Um, so again, one of those things that stands out from us, uh, many coaches that I've had had and even heard is the phrase "act like you've been there before." Mm-hmm. You know, your guy scores a touchdown and he's going through his touchdown dance and he's, you know, and then you get the other guy that scores a touchdown and hands the ball to the referee. You know, nowadays in basketball, everybody makes a three-point shot and it turns into a soccer game where, like, like you might as well stop because everybody's throwing up things and, and you know, celebrating. And, and, and in a nutshell, to me, that just revolves back to our society, which is a look-at-me society. You know, look, I just made a three. Look, I'm the one that made the three. Um, and, and I can go into a whole nother thing with that. But that phrase stands out to me. Act like you've been here before. And, and so, yes, the, the, the Patriots know exactly what these next two weeks will look like because they've been there before. Uh, but I do think that there is, there is an, there, an advantage in the naivety of not having been there before. Like, you're talking about, and this is actually where I thought you were going. I would be intrigued to know the number of players on the New England Patriots that are older than the coach for the Rams. Okay. Because right. you're, you're talking about a veteran team. Yep. 
talking about a veteran team. So I would be eager to know, like, how many players on New England's team are older than the coach for the Rams? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you're talking about a naivety of, like, you, you know, you hear about this when, um, you know, you're talking about these freshman guys that are all of a sudden that find themselves in the final four. And they like, they don't even know what they're facing. They don't yep. even know that this, and, and I do feel like to a certain extent, there's, there's an advantage in that because you don't have the pressure of knowing what it's like to know, you know, we're just playing and we're just playing like five 18 year old kids out here that are loving the game without knowing the pressure of saying that we're playing in, you know, a one lose and we're right. one loss and we're out, you know, tournament on the biggest stage that we've ever played on. So, mm-hmm. um, and then that last point that you talked about, specifically with sports, I would not use the word fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not even use the word nervous. Um, and this is something that I've even talked about before. I, I would use the word excitement. So every jump ball, every jump ball from the time I played CYO as a seventh grader to my last professional jump ball, every jump ball, I was excited. Mm-hmm. And, and I, would, I would go as far as to say a nervous excitement. It wasn't a it wasn't a nervous like I'm uncertain. It was a nervous like I am so prepared that I am ready to show you what I've been working on. I'm ready to show you how ready I am. I'm I'm ready to go. So um, uh, Simon Sinek he he talked about this once where he talked about the difference between um, excitement and and nervousness and from a science, a biological standpoint, our bodies do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your palms get sweaty. You know, you, you get this, that cringe in your stomach. You, you have an increased breathing pattern. Like all of those things are the same thing. The difference between nervous and excitement is what your brain tells your body this is. And so he got to a point where he literally just told himself in situations where his brain used to tell his body these actions are a nervous action, an unease, he started telling himself, like, this is, this is excitement. I'm excited to do this. And he started verbalizing that to himself. First time he goes out and talks in front of 10,000 people. I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. And now all of a sudden, you verbalizing that tells your brain, your body doesn't know. Your body's just doing it. Mm-hmm. And when you verbalize that to your brain, all of a sudden, you switch that flip, that you flip that switch of going from nervousness to excitement. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, there, there's a, there's, bro <laughs> let me let me ask you this and I, I actually don't know the answer to this um this is I guess a little off point but it does circle back to um you know we were talking earlier about uh you know Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant LeBron James some of these elite guys that had these high expectations and if they're bad teammates with having these high expectations and being very demanding and all that um and you don't have to go real deep into this but there is something to be said about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the sea level rising and all boats rise, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. So my question is, could you have played with Kobe? Could you have been pushed like that? If you could have played with Kobe, how much better do you think you could have been? And it's, again, I don't want everybody listening to think it's always about basketball, but it's about really being around that person that's super driven and passionate and, and sets high expectations. And if you can take it, like, mm. I'm not, I'll be honest. I'm not sure. Like, I couldn't have worked for Steve Jobs. Yeah. I couldn't have done that. Yeah. It would have been great if I had that, that mentality, that toughness, that edge, where I could block noise out and not have my feelings hurt and could have performed and, and, and could have been rich with a guy like that. that but that's not me. Yeah. Right? Um, but if you could have played with Kobe, with Kobe could, you have, could you have taken it? And I wonder yeah. how good you could have been. Yeah, so so um, you sent me the video, and I'd actually seen it already. But you sent me that that interview with uh, when he was on the the show with um, A Rod and and um, right. A Rod's co-host. Yep, yep. Um, and I thought it was I actually saw a snippet of that before I watched the whole video. But that segment where he's talking about the teammates and where he's talking about you know he he says. The guy, when we won championships, those teams that we won championships on or with, we're still great friends. And the guy says, well, you know, do you still talk to Smush Parker? No, I don't talk to him at all. And he's probably one of the guys that says I was a bad teammate. Mm-hmm. So 
I absolutely think that I would have been per- because I, I've been that guy. I've been that guy that sets the bar. And I've also been that guy that aspired to get to where the bar was being set. And I kind of thrive. My personality allows me to be able to thrive in, in either of those environments. So I'm the guy that responds to um, a coach or a leader um, getting on me. And I'm also the guy that responds to a coach or a leader, you know, supporting me and being kind of like that cheerleader. So you and I have had that discussion before. Like I can, I can be the hard ass or I can be the cheerleader, but I need you to respond to one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm one of those guys that can respond to either of those. Like how, how you get it across to me, it, just, just say it. And if it's filled with a bunch of, you know, colorful language, then I know how to filter out the colorful language and get to the point. And if it's filled with a bunch of compliments and, and Jason, you're the best, I know how to filter that out as well and get to the point. So um, I would like to say that I would have probably thrived on a Kobe-led team. I would have been one of those guys that he would have appreciated playing with because for me to be immersed into what I refer to as greatness mm-hmm. would have only raised my level of, of desire to, to, you know, God, I want, for lack of a better word, you know, so, you know, give him what he wants, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, like be able to live up to his level of expectation. Like I would have, I would have thrived in an environment where, he would have expected something and I would have been able to say, yeah, I got that for you. You know, you need me to be the, the like a Rick Fox. You need me to be the knockdown guy, mm-hmm. you know, to when you get double and triple team, the guy to knock down the shot. Perfect. I will you live think, in. You think it's important for that leader to, you know, Kobe's not going to change his expectations. Sure. Like he's like, I mean, this is what we're all about. Very clear. <laughs> right. He's made it very clear. And if you can't handle it, then you're gone. Right. So yeah. the CEO that says, Hey, this is how we're going to run things and maybe changes his expectations based on the talent he has around him to execute on the, you know, the goals of the company. Um, you know, there's part of me that thinks like, Hey, the great CEO is going to, you know, bring everybody along with him and try to mold these people and try to meet, you know, have this be, you know, uh, you know, some, I'm a great leader and I care about everybody and all that. I'm not, I wonder how much Kobe really did that. Like, yeah, you know, I don't like, here's where we're going. This is what we're doing. Here's how it's going to be done. And you're either getting on board or you're not. Yeah. And I'm not here to make you feel good about yourself or have you do anything. Our goal is to win a championship. Our goal is to get a client. Our goal is to change the world with this phone. And you're either going to get on board and do all this. And I don't care about your feelings. Right. I don't care about how you feel. Now, if you can handle it and you can rise to these levels of expectations, you will be my guy. You will be my boy forever. But if you can't, we're trading you. We're getting rid of you or I'm going to fire you. And, and, you know, gosh, I think back to, you know, a guy like Jack Welsh, who, you know, was, was very clear in his 1080 10 principle, you know, where we're, we're getting rid of the bottom 10. We're, elevating the, the top 10 and we're going to see how much of that 80 we can get up into into that upper echelon he was very adamant about that and changed the business with that philosophy you know i, I feel like everything is so situational and so relative um we're good I, if you're looking at the time yeah, i good. just looked at yeah, it i did just look i was like man you it's said okay. you had to be out yeah no it's okay it's okay um but you know, it's, it's like I said a couple minutes ago, I, I feel like it is, it is the leader's responsibility to get people on board who want to be on board. There are people who like to be driven like that. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are people who don't like to be driven like that. So if I'm not an X's and O's type of leader, if I'm, if I'm not a tactical leader, then I need to get people on board that are tactical leaders, because I know at some point we're going to have to have that component of our team. Right. Um, same deal. You know, if, 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 I'm a, if I'm that kind of leader, then I need to get people on board that are okay being driven like that, are okay being pushed like that, and, and, and are going to thrive being pushed like that. Um, and, I, and I do feel like, 
you know, part of it is knowing your team as well. Before I got into anything business, anything organizational, I used to always say that a coach was the ultimate manager. I don't know where I got that from. I don't know where I heard it from, where I came up with it. But I used to always say that because and where that came from was, you know, a coach has to know basketball. I, I got 14 guys on this team, 14 ladies on this team, you know, I may be able to clump them into a couple different groups, but I, as the leader of this group, need to know I can get on George's ass and I can say, George, you know, and, and, and get yell, scream, curse, and George is going to respond to that. Jason may not respond to that. So I can't talk to Jason the same way and expect the result that I want to happen. So I, I, I got to know how to manage these different personalities on the team. So part of it is putting together the team that you want that it, that is, is going to exhibit what you know what you want and part of it is understanding that you still may get to a situation where personalities are, are different and individuals are different and what drives one person may not drive another person and vice versa if i come to george with come on george you know you got it george is gonna look at me like man if you don't get out of my face with that garbage <laughs> you know what i mean i have to know that i have to know that and so you know that's a that's a culture talk um specifically related to team i feel like that's a culture talk but it's also it's one of the, like the patriots i remember watching an interview where they were talking to to uh, randy moss and you know randy was one of those guys that you know he, he had a colorful career in minnesota and he, and he did a couple things and then when he went to new england and i remember somebody asking him like why didn't you act like that in new england and his response was they wouldn't let me you know, Steven Jackson in basketball, same thing. Why didn't you act like that in San Antonio? Because they wouldn't let me. So, so in, in these organizations that we respect having great cultures, you know, the culture trumps the individual. Chick-fil-A. I, I listened to On the Hardwood Hustle. Uh, Adam interviewed a young lady who's one of the youngest owner operators in the country, a young lady named Kayla. And she was talking about her hiring process. And she says, she vets more into her hiring process because her hiring process is a $2,000 process. So I'm going to put the time into the hiring process to make sure that you fit the mold of the culture of the, the, the building and the organization before I have to hire you and fire you for not fitting it. I'm going to put more emphasis into the front end of that because I'm, I want to know that once you, get, you come into this organization, you know what you're getting yourself into. So like that, that to me, those are, those are ultimate leadership traits when, you, when, when you're talking about any type of industry or any type of organization is knowing who you're working with and knowing how to get the best out of them. Um, based on what you just said, I, I had a different question. And listen, this will be my last one. I know you have to go. This, and I don't know the answers to these uh, questions. How much did you love Indiana State? Uh, in what sense? Uh, how bought in were you to the basketball program, the team, the family the, the the culture everything about um, indiana state basketball uh for sure relative per the coaches i played for two different coaches and probably relative to uh each specific year but in a at, at a in a whole i was a scale from one to ten i would say i was a consistent seven and a half eight across the my across my four years so and for those that don't know, and I'm guessing this is also what happens at Indiana State, that there would be – you're going into your senior year that there would be recruits that would be on campus and taking official visits, and they would, you know, get shown around to the academic buildings and meet the coaches and maybe go to a football game, whatever it is, right, and that you would then maybe spend some time with the players to see sure. if it's a good fit, right? Sure, sure. Were there, were there ever times that you would go to – let me ask two questions. Ever a time that the head coach came to you and said, hey, Jay, what do you think of so-and-so? Absolutely. So you would then take a recruit out, and the head coach or the assistant coach would come to you and say, hey, Jay, what do you think? Absolutely. Did, Absolutely. You, ever, did you ever go to that coach and say, this thing don't work? This isn't I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah, I have. And that was, that was, more, that was more my senior year, and which, is, which is funny even as I say that, because I'm obviously not going to play with this guy. You know, right, if, we're, right, if right. we're talking about my senior year, this is a guy that, that I'm gotcha. not going to play with. But, but knowing, yep. knowing the culture that he was building, knowing the type of players that, that he wanted to have in there, both on the court and off the court, um, 
it, it, I remember one specific situation where I felt very comfortable saying, I don't think he would be a good fit. Without a doubt. And and again, Kayla spoke about that in the in the podcast with Adam on the Hardwood Hustle. She's like, you know, if if obviously Chick-fil-A is driven by high school age employees, and they're like, if if somebody comes in on an interview and you so-called quote unquote put your best foot forward, they're gonna tell me. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not who that is. That's that is not the person that I see at 815 between classes, you know, in school five days a week. That's not that part. They are going to say that. And she even goes as far to say, this may be somebody that that you may consider to be your friend. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to let you if like when you get into that type of culture and that type of environment, you are not going to let someone come in and contaminate that environment. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. So, yep, we can be friends outside of here, but you're, I'm not going to allow you into this space and contaminate this space. So you either better change your your right. your, your approach or, yeah, this is... Isn't it funny? I mean, we've all heard the phrase, you know, one bad apple spoils a bunch and all that, absolutely. but it is, it is absolutely true. You yeah. could have this great team. So in technology, what we see in technology and with uh, with what you know agile teams or whatever we want to call it these these teams in technology and this is just my experience you could have a team of seven people that are just hammering out products and code and there's this cohesiveness to them and they know how to communicate they know how to problem solve they know how to deliver they all know their roles they're all doing that much like an athletic team and then what business people do is they roll in and say, all right, we're going to take this team. Two of you are going over there. Two of you are going to go build that product. Two of you are going to go over there. And they expect the same results on the new teams they're on. And we've dealt with this with what we do with our company, Polaris. Like, you can't do that. Like, you have a team that essentially just won 73 games out of 82. Like, they just crushed it. And you're, you, you should give them the next project. Let them do it because they'll do it again. And they'll mm. do it again. Keep them together. But what happens in business teams is – they split them up or they'll bring somebody new in, right? So you go over there now, you know, you're such a good developer. You go run that team. Now you're a manager and we're going to bring somebody in and they don't perform the same way. This happens professionally. And people are saying, when you you say that though, George, like it's, (laughs) you know, again, I know this, this episode has has been driven around athletics and basketball, but think about, Think about a guy like a Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes was a key contributor to those Golden State teams that, that you know, started this run of winning championships. And I think he was a part of one and maybe, maybe two, but, I, but for sure one of the championships. And then he goes off to another team because you know, he thinks he's going to get a payday. And he got his payday, but all of a sudden he's not the same guy. And we've seen that happen so many times. And and what I hear when I hear you talk about this is we have a great team and now we're going to split them up in, in an aspiration of, you know, well, let's take this great team and let's multiply this mm-hmm. production by splitting them up. But right. what leadership qualities and traits have you taught them? Like being a part of a team and being a leader of a team is, is two different things. Ask Kyrie Irving. Yeah, right. You know, right. very recently in the yep. news, he, you know, and, and whether or not you believe, I know oh. some of the journalists were like, you know, he shouldn't have said that to us, the media and all of this stuff. But, you know, it came out where I had to call LeBron because I now know what it's like to lead a team full mm-hmm. of people who don't necessarily know what it takes to get there. Like being a leader is not, a, it's, it's, it's so much more than the cliche. It's not a title. It is not a title. Like you have to have, leadership traits and just to move someone up because they've been in the business for five years or they've had success in another area does not mean that they are ready to be a manager, leader, boss, CEO, whatever that elevation is. It does not mean that. Yeah. I I think that's a huge, that's a huge lesson for the, you know, uh, it, Listen, Jay, Jay and I just have our opinions. I'm not saying this is hard and fast, and I'm just saying when I do my own podcast where it's just me, like I, I'm just telling you things that I'm hearing, that I'm listening, or things I've experienced. I'm not saying I'm an expert on any of this. I'm just, I love the discussion and dialogue. But I have seen professionally in the, you know, in the IT world, these amazing teams that roll out amazing products, and then 
people will come and say, well, if we split that team of seven up, uh, seven into two or three teams, and we just add to those teams, we'll get triple the production. That's not the case. That is not you. you that is not the case at all. What what you should you happen? Lose, you lose everything. Yeah, you lose, you, you lose, you lose the strong team, and yeah. you and yeah. you and it happens. It happens more than you know. And the idea, and when we kind of go in and we see this happening, or we're at conferences and we're talking with people, we're like, man, why would you split that team up? Why would you do anything? They all wanted to be together, but you came in. It was essentially what Jerry, and I, I could get the name right. It's one of the Jerry's. It's what Reinsdorf did with the Chicago Bulls. Mm. They won three championships, and he's like, well, let's split it up. Yeah. yeah let's not do that. You know, yeah. let's, let's not split it up, and, and, and let's keep them together because they, they want to be together. Um, anyway, I, listen, I know we covered a lot, um, and I really appreciate, again, your time, Jay. Um, uh, you can track Jay down. Listen, Jay's mentioned offline before we started that people are reaching out to him and we're not saying it's specifically because of the podcast, Jay's business and what he does professionally and for a living and the speaking and the team work that he does within teams um, is definitely contributing to what's going on with him LinkedIn. But I say that just reach out to Jay on LinkedIn, sure. um, track him down. It's in our show notes. Every show notes has his website. It has his LinkedIn. It has his Twitter. So there's always a way to track Jay down as well as us on the podcast, on YouTube, and all that. Um, I will put this kind of a personal plug in. We're doing a lot more on uh, Instagram. What I do on Instagram for, if you go to Instagram and just go to out from the cube, um, please follow us on there. What I, all I'm doing really on Instagram is I get up early, I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books. I take a lot of notes. And all I'm really doing is the things that resonate with me I take pictures of them. That's really it. I take pictures of things I'm learning in note form and I take pictures of them and I post it on LinkedIn. So, or on, on, on Instagram. So, uh, but you can get some of the stuff that we're talking about there. Um, I would appreciate the follow. It helps us out. Um, anything, anything else we're plugging Jay for you other than your website? Yeah. Website is, is up and going and, uh, episodes are also going on there out from the cube episodes are going up on there. Uh, I have started my own personal, uh, blog again up on that. So you'll see some, um, some blog posts that, that I'm writing. And then the reason that I got this microphone and tripod is, uh, yeah, you subscribe and um, yeah, you'll start to, to yeah. get my, my little one-up video. So yeah, JasonWells.com. Hey, yeah, so JasonWells.com or, or JWPurpose.com, yeah. correct? Okay, yeah. so um, let me also say this. I, I have asked for people just to reach out to us because I, I love the interaction. I love the communication. I love figuring out how I can get better and what people are thinking and all that sort of stuff. I have made a few asks as the podcast has gone on. One ask that we did, uh, Jay and I did a podcast maybe two or three weeks ago where we talked about our word of the year and Jay's is being connected and mine is just more action. Uh, and just, you know, that's really it. I don't want to go deep into those two things, but I did ask people to reach out to me um, and just say, Hey, text me. If you know my number, send me messages on LinkedIn and, uh, and however you can track me down with your words and people did it, you know, and I just want to one, just mention that I really appreciate that. I appreciate people reaching out, connecting, wanting to have a discussion offline. Um, you know, somebody said their word was willpower. Somebody mm -hmm. said, you know, there was finishing and, uh, you know, things like that. And I just really appreciate that, you know, because I love the back and forth. Because then those people that reach out to me, um, it's not that I'm every day trying to hold you accountable to those things. But I do like reaching back out and saying, hey, how's that going? You know, what can I do to help? Um, and all that sort of, and all that, you know, so, um, I, I, you know, I do want to jump back on this real quick. The people that are reaching out to us or the people that are in your lives individually, I would encourage us this week. So here's my parting shot, parting sermon shot, figure out how you can serve and help people with what they're going through. Mm. You know, and I say that because of this, Jay, you struck me last week with your big goal. And we both, we both kind of, we said, we said similar things. Your goal is to be on Tom Bilyeu's show. Mm. For whatever reason, you saying that to me has carried me through the week. Um, one, for a couple reasons. One, I'm excited to watch you do it. I'm excited <laughs> about the journey because I think it's going to happen. Two, um, I'm, I'm excited about who you're going to become by trying to reach that goal. But I have spent a fair amount of time this week in thought 
of trying to figure out how I can help you. Mm. Um, and your circle's much bigger than mine. But if we all kind of sat back with that, I have a guy that was one of my first guests. He might've been my second or third guest, a guy named Tom Topping who coached elite basketball down in Florida. And now he kind of does what we do, Jay. Um, he has passions with what we're, and he's a great guy. And he said, one day, this next year or two, I want to be a TEDx speaker. Mm. And I'm sitting around going, you know, like, I want to do what I can to help him. And I don't maybe to have that circle, but I know people that know people that know people that we could try to help that guy do that. And, but anyway, you're talking, and, and what that has to do with kind of closing this podcast down on is find people this, this week, this year, this quarter that have these great big goals and just figure out how you can plug in to help. Yeah. That's it. Like one thing, one phone call, one thing on LinkedIn, one thing of support, one phone call to say, you know what, your word of the year was willpower. And how can I help you, you know, stay true to that? Or how can I help you make sure you're doing that? Or you want to go speak with Tom Bilyeu? What can I do to help? You know, mm. what can I do? And I, I, I just, that was on my mind this week. And I know that's kind of a, a sermon talk or standing on a soapbox. But man, I hope that we, the people that are impacting our lives, that we can sit back and say, man, I'm on board with you. And I believe in you. And what can I do to help you? And, and how can I serve you? And I think we all, all be much better off. So anyway, sorry, sorry to go on a rant there. No, I, I, I wrote that down. I wrote that down last week when you said the phrase that you used was, I'm rooting for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you said, I want to watch, I want to be a part, and I want to support. And those were the three areas. So I wrote that down. And so for, you, for you to sit here and say that, um, you know, something I said inspired you to that point to, to where you're asking yourself those questions and how you can, how you're excited to watch, how you can be a part of and how can you support that? Yeah, that's huge. I appreciate it. Right. I, I mean, I could go on because there's other things on my mind, but we'll wrap it up. So listen, I hope everybody has a great week. Track Jay down, track me down. The podcast for us, for me, for, for, is exploding right now. There's a lot of juice. There's a lot of energy to it. Um, somebody told me in a podcast this week that bees only pollinate the flower that has the most energy. So you need to have the most energy and people will come to you and they will quote unquote pollinate on your goals and all that. They will, they will bring you juice. So I hope you get that from this podcast. So Jay, listen, have a great rest of the week and I know we'll do this again next week. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks.